So today I'm speaking on positioning ourselves to hearing from God. The last uh, week for me has been quite a crazy week. Um, my great aunt of 96 years of age passed away and she was out um, in rural Victoria in Horsham in a town called Warwicknabil. Has anyone heard of Warwicknabil? Yeah, a couple of you have. Yeah. So um, obviously I'm in Queensland, in Toowoomba, and I had to organise to get down for this funeral this week, go down to Melbourne, organise a hire car, organise my mum, and travel four or five hours to the funeral and then do that and then come back on the same day and then fly out the next day and kind of organise all that. Um, the joy of, of organising that can be challenging as some of you would know and I run my own business, so trying to make that all work was a challenge, but that wasn't the biggest challenge. We all know how to book flights and organise hire cars. My mum um, lives down in Melbourne and I was planning on trying to work out to pick her up and take her with me. Um, around the time that my auntie Nan died, um, my mother got ear infection or ear blockages going on in her ears to the point that she could not hear anything. I mean anything. I'm talking, Mum, can you hear me? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. My mum uh, doesn't have a mobile phone. She doesn't text. She doesn't have a computer, so there's no emails. So I'm trying to organise and communicate. Fortunately, we're able to communicate that Auntie Nan was dead. But other than that, getting any information through to her was impossible. So I came up with the, the bright idea of sending a letter to her via express post, <laughs> which is just totally old school. Do they still do telegrams? Do they still do telegrams? Probably not. Anyway, so I thought, I'll, I'll beat this system. And... Um, we sent off the letter, I gave her an outline of what I was planning on doing and that I'd see her and we could organise this and everything. And of course, thank you Australia Post, it took like six days for her to get the overnight letter that I paid for. You think I'll get my money back? <laughs> um, so this was really, really frustrating trying to organise this and trying to think about how to communicate with my mum with her having these ear problems. And she rang me up, she couldn't hear anything and she was yelling into the phone that, I've made an appointment to see the doctor to see if I can get some drops and I can clean my ears out. And she's just yelling all this information, I'm not going to be coming to the funeral and she's just yelling all this stuff out and I'm trying to talk to her, she can't hear a thing. As you can imagine, this is not frustrating one little bit for her or for me. So anyway, she, um, she yelled that down the phone. That was great. So she went off to the doctor and she got her ears. She'd love me sharing this with you, by the way. Uh, but she'll never know about this because she doesn't have a computer. Uh, so she, she got her ears plunged and uh, washed out and got drops. And that improved her hearing enough for me to be able to communicate to her more effectively. And then she went back to the doctor again a few days later and got the other ear plunged. And now, 
praise Jesus, my mum was able to hear more clearly. But I was thinking as preparing this message, and I think you'll all see where I'm going with this, (laughs) sometimes when we're trying to hear from God, there can be blockages that are stopping us from being able to hear hear God. And um, it wasn't uh, lost on me, this trouble of being able to communicate with my mum can sometimes be the same challenge that we have with communicating with God or at least hearing from God. Um, And it can be quite frustrating and upsetting. Can I get everyone to put their hand up? Can everyone put their hand up? Can everyone put their hand up? You have just proven to me that you can answer the questions, you can put your hands down, that I'm going to ask you. (laughs) Okay? So... This is a safe place. This is a place that we we love one another. We're doing life together. So you don't have to worry about what other people are going to think because, you know, essentially more often than not, we're all in the same boat. So the first question I wanted to ask you, and this will determine whether the sermon continues or not, so think about how you answer this in an early cup of coffee and tea. Um, Who finds it hard to hear from God sometimes? Yeah, yeah. That's good enough. I feel like I'm... I'm not the only one. Um, Who feels it's more often than not that you find it hard to hear from God? I find that sometimes. Um, I was saying to Liz before I even had an opportunity to to preach, I was talking to her and I was saying, for some reason, there's some things that I have no problem hearing from God about. I just feel like I get a sense within myself, I'll be praying, I get a sense within myself, that this is the direction that God wants me to go. And it's not a problem. But then there's other things that I've, I've prayed about, it feels like, for years. And for some reason, I just feel like I don't have the clarity that I want or the answer that I want. Does anyone feel like that? No? Oh, gee whiz, there's hardly any of you. I'm getting worried that I've, I've, I haven't heard clearly from God on what I'm supposed to preach on. Um, <laughs> I'll persist. Um, there is, writing out this message, there is just so many things that I was thinking about what could help us to position ourselves better to hear from God. And there are so many hindrances that can, that can hold us up from hearing what God wants to say to us. As opposed to doing the 27 points that I originally had written down, I'm only going to do three. And these are the three for me personally, that I'm constantly trying to be mindful of and I'm constantly trying to deal with to position myself to hear from God on the big and little things. So I'm going to go through three points today very briefly on positioning ourselves to hopefully hear more clearly from God. The first point is going to be making agreements with ourselves. I'll explain that. Life hacks the environment that we tend to live in now and only asking God about the big stuff. So the first point that I'm going to discuss is making agreements with ourselves. Over the last year and a half, I came across a book by John Eldridge called Walking with God. Has anyone read this book? (laughs) Go, Rob. I wonder why you've read this book. Um, (laughs) And the subtitle is, Talking to Him 
hearing from him really. This book's a really interesting book because it's, it's not a linear book where he goes through, here are 10 points to hear more effectively from God. He decided to take a year out of his life to be more intentional to listen to God and to develop his relationship with God in the era of listening to God and documenting that. So the book's broken down into seasons and um, he goes through different seasons in his life of trying to hear God on different things and different things that occur in his life from the good, the bad and the ugly. And um, one of the things he covers off on that just hit me profoundly that I'm constantly coming back to is he talks about agreements and I'm going to endeavour to try to communicate (laughs) as clearly as I can what an agreement is and what we need to do if we've made agreements. Um, Agreements are statements that we make to ourselves, normally internally, sometimes externally, of a way of thinking that most likely doesn't align itself with what God says about us or in His Word. Agreements often start with a statement about ourselves. They are birthed out of a feeling which can feel really intense and true. Normally, if we dig right into it, we'll find that it's a feeling maybe of frustration. Some of the words that might be in a statement of agreement that we make is, I never, I always, I will never, oh, sorry, and I, and every. So, I will never, I, I always... This uh, happens every time, for instance. An agreement uh, often has an element of truth to it. So I'm going to try to give you some examples here that might clarify what an an agreement is. Um, If you've been rejected by a parent, for instance, and then by a friend, and then in another circumstance by a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend... An agreement might be made along the lines of, I'll never be loved. I'm always hurt when I get close to people. And right at that point with those phrases, we're actually making agreements with ourselves about how we either see ourselves or about even how God sees us. And of course, if we're making agreements like that, let's say in a relational sense between people in the church or people in our family that we've made an agreement that I've just given an example to of I always get hurt when I get close to someone, do you think that's going to affect the way that you relate to people? It most definitely is going to affect the way that you relate to people. And it can feel like it's true and there may be some truth in some events that have happened but we've got to realise that although those circumstances may have felt that way, that that's not what God says, it's not um, a, a truth and we need to be aware of agreements we're making. Um, there can be so many agreements we can make in so many different facets of our life. Even while preparing this sermon, I was making agreements with myself that I had to break. One of the agreements was, no one wants to hear what you're talking about. Now, another one which is really interesting because Pete's hit on this and I didn't mention this to Pete, but he's, Pete's hit on it like 
four or five times today is saying there is nothing original that we're going to hear today, whether it be in worship or in the message. And that's true. But you know what? There's still an agreement that can be made that I go, well, what's the point of me getting up here and talking? Everyone's heard about listening to God. These are agreements that I was making internally while I'm trying to prepare a message. Can you imagine the battle that is going on inside me? And I was having to stop and and actually, one, remember, when Pete asked me to preach five or six weeks ago, I went home and I had some time to pray about it and I distinctly, really quickly, got two things from God, really quick. He said, I want you to be encouraging and I want you to talk on listening to me. So I really genuinely felt God spoke to me so specifically about those two things, but when I'm in the thick of it, I'm making agreements that nobody wants to hear what I've got to say. I've heard that before. And I realized very quickly as I'm preparing this sermon, I've got to break those kind of agreements. And the reason why I raise um, this point about agreements is that I think that this kind of agreement that is a negative agreement, obviously, can also come into the area of us talking with God. We can have experiences where we don't feel like we've been heard from God. Is God just messing with me? Is God just teasing me? Is God just dragging this out? God is punishing me? And we start making these assumptions, making these agreements, and then before you know it, we can actually create a way of thinking that actually doesn't align itself with the Word of God and who God's character is. Does anyone identify with what I'm saying here? Yeah. Um, in the book that I just referenced, he actually mentioned a lady, they were having dinner, him and his wife were having a dinner with some friends that they hadn't caught up with for a long while. And they're having dinner and they were sharing about what Jesus had been talking to them about. And they used the reference of, you know, Jesus said this to me, Jesus said that to me. And the lady, the wife, um, was getting quite upset of this uh, other part, partner of this, this family that had come over. And she says, you keep on saying that Jesus spoke to you this and Jesus spoke to you that. And this lady had been a, a pastor's wife and had been saved for 40 years and said, Jesus doesn't talk to me. I don't believe that he talks to you like that. He doesn't talk to me. And um, John Eldred sort of took a beat and, and had a think and, and actually was thinking there's an agreement that has been made in this lady's life to get to the point where she says, God doesn't speak to me. And can you imagine where that can go to from God doesn't speak to me? It's not a very far journey to God doesn't love me because he's not speaking to me. He's withholding from me. And through a a time of prayer and asking some really intuitive sort of questions and actually spending time in God's presence together, they stopped their meal and they went to the lounge room and prayed And one of the questions that he felt led to ask is, you know, is there an event where you feel like God hasn't heard you? And she went back to, you know, a long time prior, she had a little baby. The baby was really sick and wasn't settling down and she was beside herself. She hadn't slept for a couple of days and she cried out to God, you know, God help me, bring healing to my child. And she felt like God hadn't answered that prayer. No answers were forthcoming and from that point on time, she'd made an agreement that God didn't speak to her and God didn't love her. And in that moment, which I'll try to cover off on a little bit later, in that moment, 
They took her through a time of prayer and they broke that agreement that had been made. And then he stepped out in a very nervous manner and actually then said, I want you to ask God to speak to you now and give you a word now. And after a long pause, the lady said, I feel that Jesus is telling me that he loves me. And she heard from, <laughs> from Jesus after not being able to hear his voice for the last 40-odd years. And I just sort of think, today there may be some of us here that have made agreements about how God speaks to us or whether he speaks to us or whether he doesn't speak to us clearly. And I really feel strongly today that we may need to deal with agreements we've made that don't align themselves with the character of God and who God is. I think the important thing to remind ourselves ongoingly is we get very caught up in the physical realms dealing with our everyday life, but the fact is we have an enemy. We have an enemy that is trying to cause division. We have an enemy that lies to us. We have an enemy that wants to separate us from having vital communion with Christ. And I know that we know this, but we've got to remember this in the everyday because we can get so easily taken out and we can get so easily um, misled in the way that we think and it can be so subtle that we don't pick up on it. I just want us to turn to um, John eight forty four. Just as a reminder, this is Jesus talking about, I suppose, lack of a better word, of Satan's nature. And we've just got to remember who's trying to move around in the background and who's trying to get a foothold on some of the agreements that we've made. And when I say agreement, I'm not talking about making an agreement with the enemy. I'm talking about making an agreement with ourselves. But the enemy loves to get in there and distort things and he loves to get in and get a foothold and to plant lies where he can. And I think we just have to be so aware of that. Um, so this is John eight forty four. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his negative language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He wants to distort the truth. We go back, obviously, where it all began with Adam and Eve. And one of the lines Satan uses is he undermines what God said and he says, did God really? Did God really? And he's creating doubt in the minds of Adam and Eve. And you've got to remember, this is before Adam and Eve were fallen beings. This is when Adam and Eve were in complete and utter true communion, how God intended us to be with God. So we're not even talking about fallen nature here. We're just talking about being able to be deceived by Satan for planting that, that lie and undermining what God had said. And we have to be as vigilant in being mindful of, am I making an agreement on these issues? Am I making an agreement on, is God talking to me or is he not talking to me? And he's still using that today in just about every area of our life, Satan is, is trying to say, did he really? Does he really love you? Does he really want to speak to you? And we've just got to be so vigilant and mindful of who our enemy is. 
Just turn to Genesis 3, 1 to 4. Just run through that. Genesis 3, 1 through to 4. Now the serpent was more craftier than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? So that's a lie there. It's distorted truth. The, the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. The disturbing thing is here, it's not even like Eve had forgotten. <laughs> She's actually in the midst of correcting, correcting Satan or the serpent to what God actually did say after Satan's lie. But then he comes back with another lie. He's a persistent little beggar, isn't he? He says, you, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, and this is verse 5, For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we know how that played out. So I'm just going to briefly cover off on a couple of things to break an agreement that you've made that is obviously aligned with who God is and his character. First, obviously, we need to acknowledge agreements that we've made and there are agreements that will be, as we sit and we think and hopefully as I'm talking, may come to mind that you go, I actually think like that about this and this and it doesn't align itself with who God is and his, and his character. There are other things though, there's other agreements in our life that we've, we've made that we're actually not even conscious of. But the thing that I love is that if we come before Jesus and we do open a dialogue with him, we can actually ask his Holy Spirit to highlight things and highlight agreements that we have made. Once you feel that you've honed in on those uh, agreements that you've made, there needs to be an element of repentance for giving um, over to those things and obviously... You know, some of these things are born out of not trusting who God is and we need to repent of that. And, um, yeah, that can be a challenge. A lot of us, including myself, don't like being told we're wrong um, and it can get us riled and some of that can overflow into our relationship with Jesus as well. That, uh, well, I didn't know that it was wrong. Um, there are times that I've said things to my wife that have not been intentionally meant to hurt her but they have, and she has pointed that out, my response is not and should not be, well, I didn't know you were going to get upset by that. I'm not going to apologise. I didn't know you were going to get upset by that. That's not, that's not good. <laughs> Who knows that's not good? That's not good. Um, and it's the same with us when it comes to, to repenting from God. There may be agreements we've made that you've been unknowing to, but nonetheless, we still need to deal with that. And His love and grace is there and and we need to embrace, in that moment, we need to embrace God's truth. When we repent, God doesn't come down and say, that's right, you should have done that, you filthy such and such. That's not the way God responds. 
God in, in, inspires with grace and love and I am just so thankful for that grace and love because he bestows it upon me moment by moment and he wants to restore us and he wants us to be who he's designed us to be in Christ. Amen? He wants us to be close to him. He wants to have vital relationship with us. Point number two, the life hack. We live in an era of the life hack. Who's seen online the life hacks that have come up? Everyone's seen life hacks, haven't you? They're normally some memes or they're, they're um, little uh, photos that are sent up and some of them are legitimate where people have gone, I've discovered using sticky tape and peanut butter cleans off chewing gum stains. And there might be um, other things that are like these things that make life just that little bit easier, that deal with things more quickly. And then there's stupid life hacks like people putting plastic bottles on their feet and saying, hey, I've discovered a cheap way of making thongs. They're not exactly the life hacks, but our society in which we live in seems to be time poor. We're always trying to make more for less, use more of our time, be more efficient, more, more quicker, more shortcuts, and it creates this sense of frantic urgentness. Who's been in that state of trying to get the most out of a day? Always, just more effective, more efficient. What shortcuts can I take? I think the interesting thing, and I do not prescribe to Tony Robbins' teachings, but I saw an interview with him a while ago, and it was quite funny him having to acknowledge that apparently the life-changing 31-day program he designed that was going to transform your life was waning in sales. And the main reason for that was that people weren't willing and didn't have enough time to commit 31 days to change their life. <laughs> so he rewrote the program and now you can change your life in only seven days, which makes me question desperately, <laughs> what kind of life change are you one going to truly get out of 31 days, let alone seven days? Because anyone that has been in relationship with Jesus and has walked for a serious amount of time, knows that it's a process <laughs> and nothing very rarely happens quickly. We like hearing the stories about the guy that had a two-pack-a-day addiction to smoking cigarettes and got prayed for and was healed and that is awesome and God can do anything. But that said, for most people, that's not how they stop smoking. It's a long period of time of taking it before Jesus, maybe stumbling and working their way through it. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is that sit-up programs um, are getting shorter. Anyone who's in fitness, if you go back 10, 15 years ago, there was the half an hour. It only takes half an hour to do this workout routine to get Abba Dabba Jim Jams, you know, you're going to be crunching it. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, it was... This is a 20-minute program. You're going to be able to do everything that you need to get done to get those abs looking fantastic. Then it was 15. Then it was 10. Then it was seven minutes, the seven-minute workout. And then it's a five-minute workout. Is there a four-minute workout? Anyone? Anyone? Four, four, four. 
You know, now you don't actually have to do the, the workout. The latest thing that I've seen, and it's not that late, it's been out a couple of years, is that I don't have to do push-ups or sit-ups anymore. I simply strap on electrodes <laughs> and I can work out while I watch TV. Um, if you want to believe that, go drop that $250 on the electrodes. Um, I'm not pointing out anything that you haven't heard before. But, you know, the interesting thing is, with life moving this fast, my tendency, and I'm sure it's not yours, but my tendency is that when I come into the presence of God and I want to connect with Him and hear from Him on the important things in life, I can come in like this. All right, God, I need to hear on this. Can you speak to me about this? Come on, Lord, I've got a whole 10 minutes. And the spirit that I come before him is not one of coming in and being um, open and being still and putting my agendas aside. It's one of franticness. This is a very old analogy, but I believe that most of you would have probably seen this episode because it was always showing every couple of weeks on Channel 10. Seinfeld. Who likes Seinfeld here? Come on, Seinfeld. No one likes Seinfeld anymore. Come on, you guys. Yeah, thank you, Diff. <laughs> There's a character um, in Seinfeld called Kramer. And in one of the episodes, he spills hot coffee on himself and gets burns. And um, he ends up suing the coffee company. And he's going to get this ridiculous payout by the co- coffee company. But... Um, he jumps the gun and he agrees to a lifetime supply of coffee. <laughs> and anyway, so he starts drinking like 10, 12 cups of coffee a day. And they've got a shot of him relating to people, talking to people, and he's just like this the whole time. And he's just wigging out, talking 100 miles an hour. Da, 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 da. And I just think of that picture of him going down the street and knocking things over and just being totally frantic. And I feel like... We can do the same thing when we come into the presence of God and we want to connect and talk and genuinely hear from Him. So we need to stop. Psalm 46.10, we all know it. Be still and know that I am God. Another interpretation could be stop and know that I am God. I just love... I have this verse up on my dash in my my car. Every time I actually do read that and look at that, I just feel a sense of peace come over me and I do stop, even if it's just for a moment, and just realign myself and realise that God's got this. God's got this. Psalm 37, 7 Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Patiently. Who's waited patiently lately for God? Not me. Not me. I always come in with an agenda and want to... But I think these are the kind of things that we're not positioning ourselves to hear from God. And sometimes we just need to shake that whole air that's attached to us of efficiency and speed and put our agendas aside. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. 
which could be another version of be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Point number three. There's a tendency for me to only talk to God about the big stuff, the big decisions. I can float through my Christian faith. Sure, I'm reading my word. Sure, I'm going to church. Sure, I am talking to God on a certain level, but there's only a certain level where I'm actually letting God penetrate my life. But then all of a sudden, when I come up against something big, a big decision I need to make, make it, maybe I've got a, a big job opportunity that's like a promotion or it's a new job that's just going to give me more money and make life better. Or maybe it's a job that's sort of in between that could be better and I don't know. So I want to hear God's voice on that kind of decision. Um, moving, buying a new house, moving to a new city, who to marry if you're not already married. I'll be that clear. Um, <laughs> buying a new home. These are the kind of big things sometimes that we want to get answers from God on. But I find that if we haven't cultivated an ongoing intimate relationship with Jesus, slowing down and hearing his voice on the everyday things, we're going to find it really hard to tune in and get a sense of what God wants to say about the big things. I keep on having this revelation and you'll, you'll say, well, it's not that much of a re revelation, but, but God wants to be a part of my every day, moment by moment. More often than not, my underlying attitude, although I would never verbalise it this way, is stand back, God, I've got this. No, really? It's fine. It's under control, I've got this. I've done this before. And it can be in the most smallest things, whether, <laughs> whether it's just um, a job that you do all the time, whether it's repetitive. And I've just constantly challenged about inviting God into my everyday moment by moment and there's something hilariously funny about me being gracious enough to invite God into my day <laughs> I think it's God's day but it's something that I need to do regularly because I often can jump in the car and go off to my first job without even really giving God a second thought let alone the way that he is going to lead me and talk to me through the day I've been trying to develop a habit of whenever I'm going anywhere, of actually taking a moment and actually giving a future catch-up. So if I'm catching up with a friend or Liz and I are going over to visit friends or even family particularly, sometimes in family situations there can be um, underlying issues or attitudes that have been there forever. And we have to be aware of these things. Sometimes um, on the way to church, I try to do this is is pray a prayer of preparedness, preparedness. And that is, Lord, just make me aware and help me to tune into your spirit and how you see things. Give me eyes to see the way you see people and situations. Make me open to be used by you 
and to bless those I come in contact with. And it's such a simple prayer, but I just find that before I'm in a situation, and you can pray while you're connecting with someone, you can pray while you're having a meeting with someone, we all know that you can shoot a prayer up, but there's some power in actually preparing your spirit to be open and aware to what God may want to say to you, even before you get there, or while you're having a catch-up. And I've just found that that's been so powerful. And it can go down to the point that would you ask God about the order in which you should do errands for the day? Normally, I wouldn't. But I feel actually, I feel challenged by this. I, I was thinking about this the other week and I had a couple of errands to do after work. And I actually felt prompted by the Lord to actually stop and actually ask him in what order I should do the errands, which sounds, some people might sound, it sounds a little bit over-spiritual or a little bit finicky. But I felt that he said, I want you to go and pick up these things from the shops now. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll do that. That's fine. I'm still doing all my errands. It doesn't really matter the order that it's in. I went off to the shops, picked up the errands, and I came out, and I'm involved in a ministry um, on Friday nights with young boys called Space Pilots. And um, Space Pilots have been going for about 53 years in Toowoomba. It's the only one in the world. And kids come and hear about the creator of the universe, and they build rockets, and they do model planes, and they do gymnastics, and all this kind of fun stuff. And... Uh, Anyway, a lot of the kids that come along are saved and there's a lot of kids that come along that have learning difficulties and challenges because the parents have heard that they know it's going to be a place they're going to be loved and accepted even if they've got health issues, ADD and things like that. Anyway, there was one young boy that had been coming along to the program and um, he had some, some challenges and he ended up running off one night and disappearing and he, he ran home because he'd been upset. And... Um, the mother had come back and the mother was, um, you know, understandably upset that her child had turned up home and, you know, us obviously being responsible for him. She also did understand the challenges he had and we, we talked through that with her and she was, you know, she understood and was quite gracious. For a long period of time though, <laughs> funnily enough, he stopped coming and on this time that I was at the shops, I actually bumped into that parent and... I genuinely feel that we were able to have a really healthy discussion that was really encouraging and really understanding and planted a seed in her to think about her son coming back to, to that program. And I kind of think, well, sure, we could write that off as a coincidence, but I find it really interesting that on that day, an hour or two before, I was actually challenged in the, in the order I should do my errands, but um, maybe, I shouldn't be, maybe I shouldn't be surprised Maybe I should just know that's God's character and know that he wants to, to talk to us on, on every count in every moment if we let him. I know there's areas in my life that I've closed down, I've closed access down to God speaking to me about. Some of it's been intentional, if I'm going to be really honest, and some of it's um, unintentional. And once again, that's what agreements tie into. But um, there's so many things that... Uh, God wants to do through us and with us and I don't know about you but I want to constantly try to be um, assessing and being open for him to put his finger on things and to deal with those things 
so that I can hear from him more clearly. Who's experienced a time in their life where they've actually heard from God and they've acted on it and it's made a real difference? It's a pretty sweet spot to be in. (laughs) Who's ever done what God's asked them to do and it's been really hard and it's felt terrible? (laughs) I have. But you know the thing that's sustained me is actually knowing that I'm being obedient to God. And there's things that I've done and I go, well, Lord... In the natural, I don't know what was going on there, but I feel like you asked me to do that, so I've done that, and I'll just have to put it down to being obedient to you. And God is gracious. Is he not? He is. He's so gracious. Um, we could turn to Psalm 25, 4-5. I've got lots of Psalms today. I'm doing a reading program with uh, the Bible Project. So who's heard of the Bible Project? couple of people it's online it's definitely worth checking out they've got a reading and it's an app as well they've got a, a reading plan they take you through the bible in a year but you read a psalm or two every day psalm 25 4 to 5 show me your ways lord teach me your paths guide me in your truth teach me for you are my god savior and my hope is in you all day long don't you love that? All day long. James 1, 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, don't know what to do, Lord. Don't know how to navigate this situation. You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. These are the kind of truths that we want to hold on. These are the kind of truths that I need to write and put in my ute when I'm driving around. So they become sketched or scratched into my heart. So why, why are we talking about listening to God today? Just so we can hear him and that's it? <laughs> my answer, my son wants to answer the question. I think he's been reading my notes. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> um, we obviously listen to God because <laughs> we want to hear Him and we want to obey Him and we want to be in His will. That's why we want to hear from God. Once again, the Bible Project does a series of videos and one of their videos that they've been doing is a word study. And one of the words they have done recently was on hearing. And they went and delved into, and I hope I do this justice but um, they delved into the word shima. Shima? I hope that's how I say it. <laughs> and that's a he- Hebrew word, or the meaning for that Hebrew word is to hear or listen. But it implies obedience. To listen is to obey. So listening isn't an inactive thing in the Bible or when Shema, the term, is used. It's actually to listen and to obey. It's actually an active thing. In the ancient Hebrew, there is no separate word for obey. In ancient Hebrew, you'd say Shema. 
It means to listen and obey. Can I get everyone to upstand? Do musicians want to come up and... Um, Today, I just want to give us an opportunity um, to hear from God and what he'd have to say to us right now. I'm just going to take this, this moment the band's going to, going to play. There's a couple of things that have been on my heart while preparing this message and, and one of them is that I just got a sense that there are people here today that had felt they'd heard from God on specific things, some small, some big. And some people hadn't acted on those things. And some people were saying to themselves, well, that opportunity has passed me or that was a long time ago, I won't do that now. And I just felt led that God was saying, I'm going to quicken that to your spirit today and you do need to act and it will be in my perfect timing now. And that could have been something God spoke to you 10, 20 years ago. It could be something that God spoke to you last week. I don't know. But just as we're being still and knowing that God is God and, and wanting to talk to us, If you want prayer or encouragement on that particular point, you're more than welcome to come down and the elders and leaders will pray with you for that and encourage you and what need, steps need to be taken next. The other thing I felt led to pray for people if they wanted to was if you need to break an agreement, an agreement you've made that doesn't line itself up with who God is and how he speaks to us. It's going to close in prayer and we're going to play this song and just that opportunity is there. If you don't feel like coming down, that's, that's fine. But I do encourage you to talk to someone um, if any of these things have rung true in your heart. Lord, I just thank you so much that you are such a gracious and loving God. I thank you that you want to speak to us. You want to have a vital and loving relationship with us. Lord, help us to position ourselves more, to be mindful of you more in our everyday, from the little things to the big things, Lord. I just pray that um, you help us, Lord. You want to relate with us. This, this whole universe has been designed for us and for us to live on and, and to, to connect with you, Lord. That's your primary goal is connect to us and to save us from ourselves, Lord. So we just come before you now, open-hearted, speak to us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. <laughs>